Hey everyone, this is Jackknife. Welcome to another bonus episode of The Cutting Edge. You know how I do my Jets recaps. Did you really not think I would be doing the same thing for the New York Rangers? The team I love the most of all my favorite teams? As they say in New York, forget about it. I'm not even Italian, that was terrible. Anyway, I'll do my best to make one of these Rangers recaps weekly. Unlike football, there's a lot more games in hockey, thus meaning a lot more to analyze, a lot to take into consideration when talking about this team as opposed to a team that plays once a week in comparison. So let's just get right into it. The Rangers played three games so far this season. They are currently 2-1-0 with wins over the Sabres and Coyotes and a loss to the Blue Jackets. So let's look at each game in order. The first game was on Thursday night. The Rangers won 5-1 with goals scored by Alexi Lafreniere. It was his first. It was the Rangers' first goal of the season. Chris Kreider got two goals, one on the power play, one on the penalty kill. Artemi Panarin scored, and Jacob Truba got an empty netter. Getting assists for the Rangers was Kreider, Panarin, Philip Heedle, Adam Fox, Mika Zibanejad with three, and Keandre Miller. And that Igor stopped 24 shots and allowed one goal. The one goal was scored by J.J. Paterka after Jacob Truba blocked the initial shot. But it happens. So thoughts on this game. I'll admit, I was not expecting the Rangers to win this game. Not so much that I didn't have faith in them. But the Sabres are a team that's ready to take that next step. Tage Thompson is coming off of a career. Devin Levi is who I think will win the Calder Trophy. Just refer back to my episode with Johnny Lazarus. You'll see how I feel about the Sabres team, how highly I think of them. Take that into consideration with the Rangers that, that are playing their first real game under a new coach, Peter Laviolette, and still trying to find themselves in this new regime. I thought the Sabres would win. However, I will happily eat my words in this scenario. It's funny to think. It's a funny thing to say that a player needs the team's first goal of the season. However, if any player, any Rangers player needed that first goal, then it was Alexi Lafreniere. All the storylines surrounding him. He's a bust. He's lazy. Trade him. He had an awful preseason. All that discourse surrounding him, and he played one of the better games of his young career. Playing on the right side alongside Hedl and Panarin, you can tell he's still getting used to playing on that side, but I would think a good amount of Ranger fans will say that might be the Rangers' most consistent line so far in this young season. Not only did he have a goal, he forced the turnover that led to Panarin's unassisted goal in the second. He didn't get an assist there, but he might as well have on what he did with that play. Phantom assist. The Rangers were fantastic defensively in this game, limiting the Sabres' chances, holding them to only 25 shots. And when the Sabres had a chance to get within one on the power play in the third period, but they weathered the storm. And Zibanejad had a beautiful setup for Kreider for his shorthanded goal. I saw some people describe that hockey as boring, quote-unquote. Well, you know what? If boring is making it difficult for your opponent to enter the zone, let alone limit the quality scoring chances, I'll happily take my team playing boring hockey any day of the week. Much easier on my heart. So, part of me was nervous. The growing pains like that of the start of the 2013-14 season would show in this game. 
but the Rangers didn't show anything like that. The next game, on the other hand, different story. Their next game was on Saturday against the Blue Jackets. They fell 5-3. Boone Jenner had a hat-trick for the Jackets. The Rangers got goals from Eric Gustafson, Will Cooley, Will Cooley's first career goal, and Kreider with another power play goal. And two goals were taken away by offsides challenges, which was a total buzzkill. We'll get to that in a little bit. And on paper, definitely not a good night for Igor, allowing five goals on 21 shots. So now this was a game I thought the Rangers would win. However, one of the worst rules in hockey came through. Again, we'll get to more, more into that in a little bit. But it was a rough game for the defense. We found out prior to the start that Ryan Lindgren was going to be out with an upper body injury, and the Jackets took completed advantage of it. Braden Schneider and Zach Jones were taken advantage of with the matchups. I firmly believe that if Grin- Lindgren was in the lineup, then Jenner doesn't get that hat trick. Lindgren is a very physical defenseman that takes a lot of abuse, protecting the front of the net. Boone Jenner is a very physical player in his own right. Every goal he had was greasy, except the deflection he had to get the hat trick. Had Lindgren been in the lineup, Jenner would have had a lot had a lot harder time getting to the front of the net with Lindgren down low to box him out. We'll talk more about the value of Lindgren near the end of this episode. But the score of this game was very misleading because the Rangers did control the tempo for a lot of the game. They outshot the Jackets 42-21. to Now, especially in the third period, the Rangers were able to get within one get within two with the cool eagle but the jackets again took advantage of an odd man rush and justin danforth scored on a three-on-one when the rangers were being much more aggressive because minutes were ticking away they were getting much more desperate for a goal even with elvis merce lincoln's leaving the game backup spencer martin held his own and the hole the rangers dug for themselves was too deep also say one hell it was a bad day for the defense but one hell of a play by Jacob Truba to stop a Patrick Line shot from crossing the goal line as it reached it. It was initially called a goal, but it was overturned. I think calling that was a terrible I think calling that was terrible officiating. It's like how could you conclusively know that was a goal in real time? If it really did cross the line and it was taken and play was continuing because it just happened so quickly, Toronto would have buzzed in to stop play if it was correct. But I digress. Now, on the two goals that got called back for the Rangers being offsides on both of them, they were total momentum killers. Because when that happens once, let alone twice, now it's a thought in the back of your head on when you're entering the zone. But think about this. If Lafreniere is a foot or two to his left, then not only does he have an assist, but Philip Hedl also has his first goal of the year. The same could be said for Mika Zibanejad in his goal that was taken away. While the score of this game was ugly, it doesn't necessarily tell a whole story. If the Rangers aren't a little ahead of themselves in a couple of instances, then this game could have easily gone in their favor. So, you turn the page and head home for the home opener, which was last night at the time of this recording. The Rangers beat the Coyotes 2-1 with goals from Kreider and Vincent Trocek. Getting assists were Kapokako, Adam Fox, Nika's Banajad and Artemi Panarin. Igor stood tall on net with 26 saves on 27 shots. I mean, the one goal came from Clayton Keller was on the power play. It hit him in the glove. I think that's one Igor will tell you. He went back if he did get a piece of it. Igor also stopped Jason Zucker with a penalty shot late in the third period. 
He is four for four on penalty shots in the regular season, stopping all four of them. We're not going to talk about the one in the playoffs against Jack Hughes. So this is a Coyotes team that you really can't sleep on anymore. Sure, I still don't think they're a playoff team at the end of this season, but you can see they have pieces put put forward for success in the future, particularly Logan Cooley. No relation to no relation to Will Cooley. It's spelled differently. I think trap game is too strong of a word, but Avery Zaretsky said this on the Blue Crew with, Blue Crew with Johnny Lazarus and Cody Frankel this week. You don't want to play bad teams yet early in the season because they're still competing for something. Not that they go out to lose when they're out of it, but that extra motivation that they're still in it at the time doesn't always bode well for opponents. This very well could have been a game that the Coyotes could have gone into the garden and spoiled the party. But despite still needing to iron out some of the blemishes, getting used to the new system, the Rangers came out on top. Like the Columbus game, this too could have turned out completely different, but in a different way. In football, there's a saying called ref ball, when the ref interjects themselves into everything and it ruins the game. I guess hockey, we could call it ref puck. Late second period, Artemi Panarin is about to take the puck into the Arizona zone for an odd man rush, potentially a breakaway. Referee Kelly Sutherland cuts across him and ends up knocking the puck out of Panarin's control. After the whistle, Sutherland went over and apologized to Panarin, but he can take this apology and shove it up his ass because that was bad enough. But shortly after that incident, not only did the other ref, Bo Halkaitis, call Lafreniere for for a slashing penalty, but he also decides to make it about himself and give Lindgren an unsportsmanlike penalty for sending the puck down the ice in frustration. Didn't realize Lindgren pulled a Dwayne Hewitt from Youngblood on you, Halkaitis. I I don't care if if I'm mispronouncing your name at this point. I'm still mad at you. Might as well change your last name to Hannah if you felt so strongly about it. Let's see how many people get that reference. So, both refs. One being an imbecile, the other on a power trip, basically gave the Rangers the finger in, late in the second period and put them on a five-on-three penalty kill for a full two minutes at one nineteen left in the second. Ironically enough, Zach Daniels asked me what I thought about Kelly Sutherland because he was the referee on the mic that welcomed Connor Bedard to the show. I initially had nothing to say about him because I couldn't think of anything egregious like I would with Angel Hernandez in baseball. Well... Obviously, that's changed. Same goes for Halkaitis. I don't think the refs necessarily have it out against the Rangers. I just think they suck. And so did the crowd at Madison Square Garden as they rained down the asshole and these refs suck chance. So surely, this was the point where it fell apart for the Rangers, right? Wrong. Everyone at the Garden and their sphincters clenched in fear, prepared for the worst, but the Rangers killed off the first 119 to end the period, leaving them with 41 seconds left to kill to enter the third, and they killed that off too. Obviously, Igor was fantastic in goal in that, at penalty kill, but kudos to Jacob Trubo for having some huge blocked shots thrown in there in that whole entire sequence. Jacob Trubo leading the league in blocked shots with 13. That swung the momentum back back into the Rangers' favor, who eventually would get a power play of their own, and the aforementioned Trocek deflected the Panarin shot, and they took the lead. Did have a little bit of a scare prior to said penalty because Adam Fox took a tumble and would head to the locker room shortly after the goal, but he did return. 
Now, the Rangers had the lead, basically smothered the Coyotes in the neutral zone to hold on for the win. Other than the Jason Zucker getting behind the defense and the defense taking a penalty, uh, leading to the penalty shot, which Igor stopped, which we mentioned already. Arizona really couldn't get any sustainable pressure until they pulled the goaltender, but they couldn't get anything through. A big brawl happened at the end of the game with everyone on the ice. Even Igor got involved there. Now, normally you don't want your goalie to involved in those types of situations, types of scrums, but given how the Coyotes had an extra skater out there, I loved that Shesty had his teammates back and was willing to even the odds for them. I thought it was hilarious when he smothered Matt Dumba, you know, Matt Dumba smothered on the ice by in that pile of players. And when they all get up, Jacob Truba's just laughing in his face. And in the end, it was awesome. Loved seeing this team rub some salt in the wounds of Coyotes. Suck it, Biz. Loved seeing them have some backbone. And more importantly, or most importantly, I loved seeing them salute the crowd at center ice of Madison Square Garden after a win. Now, my overall thoughts on these three games. Here are the stat leaders so far. Kreider is leading the team with four goals and five points. Igor with a 2.38 goals against average. That Columbus game really hurt him, even though I don't think those goals were necessarily his fault. Also a 904 save percentage. Not bad. Not quite Igor numbers. But it's so early in the season, and that's all inflated by a game where his best defensive defenseman was out. They have three power play goals, one in each game. We knew the Rangers' power play would be good. It's the five-on-five play where the Rangers had the big questions. I mean, they were abysmal on five-on-five play last year. Yes, it's really early in the season. Don't look now. But at the time of this recording, Money Puck has them at second in expected goals. But again, it's early in the season. They're behind Winnipeg. I definitely don't see the Jets staying in that vicinity. There are two things overall I am taking out of this first week of games. First, this team is still getting used to the new system, which is as expected. Second, this shows how valuable Ryan Lindgren is. Let's start with the team and how they are still trying to to find themselves. Obviously, Peter Laviolette is a breath of fresh air. Now they're actually being coached. It kind of frustrates you in a sense. Like, man, what if this team had a coach who actually coached last year? I think if this happened under Gallant, they're not getting out of that five-on-three without giving up at least a goal. But I said this in my Jets recap a few days ago. You can dwell on what happened forever. It's a brand new season, and you can only make an impact on the games in front of you. The hiccups are still there. Some guys are still trying to find themselves. Braden Schneider hasn't played particularly well. I think he's still getting used to playing with Gustafson. But overall, the team is picking it up from what I've seen. The guys who this is obvious for is guys like Alexi Lafreniere and Capococco. The line of Panarin, Hedl, and Lafreniere is still trying to figure out, but they've been flying all over the ice. Hedl had a goal taken away Saturday. He came oh so close last night, but just missed the net. He's driving play. And Lafreniere, and I said this before, his play isn't going to wow you yet playing on a new side of the ice. But again, he scored the goal in the first game, forced a turnover in the same game. And if he, again, if he's a couple feet to his left, he has an assist on Saturday. And even though he didn't pick up a point last night, you could tell he's playing with a lot more confidence. He still needs to put up 
some points if this team wants to be successful. But we're three games in, and if he keeps taking these strides, he's going to get them. The same thing can be said for Kako. Similar to Lafreniere, except playing alongside Sabanajad and Kreider. He got an assist last night, a very good defensive play, chipping it out of the zone. And the chemistry you could see on that play, because Zabanjad and Kreider immediately knew to head up the ice, and it led to the 2-on-1, and it led to the goal. He did have one crucial turnover in the Columbus game that led to a Jackets goal. That seemed to be him overthinking. You know, that's been an issue for him. But things went bad for everyone that game, so he was not an outlier in that situation. So you can see in those two in particular, there is progress, but there is work to be done, especially because the lobby light is so detail-oriented and it's all part of this process. They're not quite point per game yet, but they're finding themselves in this new regime. It's a work in progress for everyone, but they're getting better and better. Look no further than when this team had to go into shutdown mode. You know, they, they there were times they played a 1-3-1 style or even played a trap, you know, floor guys in the neutral zone. And it's making it difficult for opponents to enter the neutral zone. Excuse me, enter the offensive zone. I said before how people may call that boring. Well, it's not boring when your team is the one doing so well on defense. And just when you think that alone makes them difficult to score against, you got the Vesna caliber goalie in net. Now, there's some lineup questions. Do you put in Jimmy VC or Tyler Pitlick? Is Blake Wheeler moving too slow? It's three, three games into the season. They'll figure it out. If they don't, well, their contracts were very team-friendly for the Rangers. Also, big shout-out to assistant coach Michael Pekka. The Rangers have a 56.3% face-off win percentage. Seventh in the league. I know it's early, but they desperately needed help there. Now, I also talk, alluded to Ryan Lindgren's value. Let's finally talk about this. I talked about how the Columbus game is different if he's in the lineup. Let's look at the Rangers' record with and without him in the lineup. First, without him, they are 29-39-19. and 19. With him, they are 150-82-27. You saw his value last night when he led the Rangers in nice time. Igor refer, even referred to him as Iron Man after the game. He gives the Norris-caliber defenseman Adam Fox a cushion to be creative with the puck. Now, he's in his contract year. Thankfully, a restricted free agent if you're the Rangers. You look at all that stuff at face value and be like, yeah, give him a long-term deal, which is what I'm leaning towards. However, the abuse he takes, the physical things he does and indoors, one might worry, does a long-term contract with his type of playing style, with this type of player, not age well? I think one of my favorite Rangers of all time, Dan Girardi, is a good example. The extension he got in 2013-14. Now, I think Lindgren has a much higher ceiling than Girardi. Also, Girardi is older when he signed that extension. But they are very similar in styles of play, and there was a noticeable diff decline in Girardi's performance as he aged. That's a question we'll have to answer in the summer. Now, next week, or... This week, I should say, they play the Predators Thursday at the Garden before taking a Western road trip. They'll go to Seattle to play the Kraken, Calgary to play the Flames, Edmonton for the Oilers. Then they'll play the Vancouver Canucks and the Winnipeg Jets. They won't be home until November 2nd when they play 
the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, this is going to be quite the test for this team that's still trying to find themselves. And it kind of reminds me of the 2009 New York Jets, the first year under Rex Ryan, first year under Mark Sanchez. You know, they started out good, but that team was still trying to find themselves at the beginning. Like, they lost a game to the Saints. Like, the defense did well despite them, you know, still trying to figure it out. But I'm getting off topic, but that's just an example I like to think of. Well, five games in a row. Oh, in a different time zone. We'll see if they can work out the Kings, build on the positives of these first three games. Now, to close out, because what's me talking about the Rangers without me mentioning this guy? Brendan Othman. Two goals in his first AHL game. Three points in two games to start the season. To start his professional hockey career. He's knocking on the door. But now Patrick Kane rumors are starting to swirl again. Make of that what you will. This is Jackknife. Have a wonderful night, everyone.